Action Fanatics, welcome to another edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. Chris the Brain and Chad Cruz with you. And, you know, last time, Chad, we talked about potentially talking about Gladiator. But uh, as often is the case in the world of podcasting, things change. And yeah. now we're, we're, we're zigging instead of zagging. We're, z- we're doing a little zigging here. Uh, get, feeling pretty ziggy. You have to be able to, to flow like water. Yes. As Bruce Lee would say, and that's what we do. You know, we come up with a plan A, a plan B, and sometimes a plan C, and oftentimes we we have to fall back on that B and C. Yeah, uh, sadly, and yeah, you as had, it is. And it was uh, just a few days ago. You mentioned, "Hey, what about uh, No Escape?" I did, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I've you know I've heard of the movie. I had never seen it, so it would be a, it was going to be a first time watch for me." And within I think 10 minutes of you now having that conversation, I logged on to Instagram and I see our friend of the site, big Mike leader mm-hmm. talking about no escape. And then you sent me a tweet. I think the next day, right. Where uh, one of our followers was talking about no escape. And I'm like, well, this just, mu- this must have been meant to be fate had intervened. Yeah. It feels like when you, you know, you go into the mall or, or something and all of a sudden you start getting all these spams on your phone about some store that's right next to you, or, you know, you start talking about some sort of a product and the next right. thing you know, you get, you know, it's you, in you all get your ads, right? ads about it. Yeah. So that's what it felt like in, in, in a good way, because I've been, it's not the, the type of movie that kind of like hangs out in your mind all the time. But once you see a poster or you think about it once, you're like, oh, shit, that movie is badass. Like, we need to talk about that one. And plus, it, it doesn't get spoken about enough. So this is this is one of those movies where if you haven't if you have seen it, you probably loved it. If you haven't seen it, then you're in for a real treat. Right. And yeah, so that was Instagram, Twitter. We saw it. So speaking of those things, if you want to follow us on social media so we could see what you're talking about, because that might be what we end up talking about. You never know. Um, you never know. So check us out at Bulletproof Pod on Twitter and at Bulletproof Action on Instagram and Facebook. But before we get into our show, I did want to welcome, we have a, a new podcast joining us on the Geekscape Network that's really right up our alley, Chad. Mm-hmm. It is the $2 Late Fee Podcast hosted by Zach and Dustin. They do great interviews with some people that are very Bulletproof Action centric. I saw that. I, I saw one of their most recent ones with uh, was with Cynthia Rothrock and Cynthia Sally Rothrock. Kirkland. Sally Kirkland, who you had such glowing things to say about on our last <laughs> podcast. I, I'm guessing yep. that Zach and Dustin treated her much kinder than you did uh, on our best of the best uh, podcast. But I would uh, hope yeah, so. And, and uh, the news they broke a couple days ago: an upcoming interview with the perfect weapon himself, oh. Jeff Speakman. Wonderful Jeff Speakman, uh, a guy who could have done massive things in the world of action films. Um, but yeah, you know, it doesn't always pan out for everybody, but he's got a couple out there that are real bangers. And man, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that interview because he doesn't do a ton of interviews. So Right. Yeah. So that great, great job. And so, yeah, welcome to the Geekscape Network, Zach and Dustin, $2 late fee. Check them out. But right now, let's get into our podcast. Let's get into No Escape. Released April 29, 1994. But interestingly enough, Chad, another moment of fate stepping in. Mm -hmm. The movie was set in the year 2022. Ooh, spooky, huh? 
Yeah. So in fact, the, the opening opening title, uh, before the, the credits even roll, we get the little verbiage on the screen. In the year 2022, the international prison system is operated by private corporations. Criminals from all over the world are exploited at a profit. Prisons have become big business. Setting the stage for what we're about to see. And it kicks right off. We get a high-speed train transporting prisoners. And on that train, Chad Cruz, mm-hmm. Captain J.T. Robbins, played by the star of the film, Ray Liotta. Yeah, the the guy that you wouldn't expect to star in your action film. But, uh, you know, as the movie goes along, he's, he doesn't have any, like, glaring holes in his game. Right. Um, but and, and you just I, don't expect it. Right. And I think, you know, I think that could be why a person like myself and probably others may mm-hmm. not have seen No Escape because the guy from Goodfellas, oh, he mm-hmm. was awesome. Right. But an, an action movie? Yeah. And, so, I, and I think I read somewhere where he did this film because he always wanted to kind of star in an action film. Okay. And, and, uh, and I, you know, it's funny because you watch him in Goodfellas and he's got such great charisma and, uh, just the way he delivers in that movie is, is phenomenal. But in this movie, he plays a very different character. Like you said, he's Captain J.T. Robbins or, or Robbins, as we kind of... As we pretty much know him, yeah. Yeah, throughout the whole film. And he, he is on he is a prisoner at this point. We know that. And we know that the prison system is extremely corrupt, but we don't know exactly how corrupt yet. Right. And the prison he is headed to is Levictus. It's a level six maximum security prison. Uh, the incoming convicts are, you know, herded into the prison. There's a hologram because this is the future. Future. And that, the hologram is the warden himself, played by Michael Lerner, who is a guy who pops up into things. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. I was thinking, what's the most recent time I? Whoa. Remo doesn't like it, but what's the most recent time I've seen him? And it was Elf. <laughs> yeah, my, you're probably my, right. my holiday rewatch of Elf, my annual Elf rewatch over the holidays. He was, uh, yeah. Jimmy Khan's boss in there and wasn't a very happy man with his. Yeah, he was a real jerk in that movie. So that was there. And uh, yeah, then immediately almost he wants to see Captain Robbins mm-hmm. or again, just Robbins. And we find out a little bit more about why Robbins is in prison. Yeah. So, you know, we learn that Robbins was a, uh, a former Marine recon. Uh, he was essentially, you know, like a, a military badass who. Uh, I think we see it during the opening credits as the credits roll. There's like a parade. A guy's just marching by in a parade and, and the, uh, the commanding officer standing there kind of uh, watching the troops go by. And one man walks out of formation and just blows his brains out. So uh, that would appear to be Captain Robbins. Uh, we don't know why it happened, but we now learn that Robbins was a Marine recon. He killed, he was court martial for killing his commanding officer and he's been placed in, in, in multiple prisons of, you know, since then, and he has escaped from two level five prisons. So now he's in level six. So we'll see what he's got to do here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and Warden just kind of lays things out. There's no contact with the outside world. Basically, at this point, if you're at this prison, you're just, for all intents and purposes, you're already dead. Yeah, you're going to die there. And he gives that speech when he's like, you know, hologramming it. He's like, there's no way out. The only way out of here is in a body bag, essentially. There is no escape. Right. Right. Dang. I love a, a good yeah, time when we sure can say, say the title. Um, and yeah, so, but Robbins has a little message for, for the warden telling him, don't ever turn your back on me again. And we we're going to find that yeah. to come true relatively quickly. Yeah. Yeah. It's so, funny too, because Robbins is the kind of guy who he's soft-spoken, 
um, in, in, I guess this is probably the second time we see him kind of in his little, you know, soft spoken badass way because the first time he's on the train and he's just staring out the window and one of the guards tells him like, you know, eyes front. Right. And he gives him a look like, I'm going to murder you at some point. <laughs> and I wondered about like, why even have windows in that thing? <laughs> if That's you don't true. want everybody to look out them. That's so true. it wasn't like a, they were repurposing a commercial uh, mm-hmm. transportation vehicle. It was obviously set up for this prison. So yes. why even put windows in the damn thing? Uh, just so you could be a badass, I guess. I, I think know. so. Yeah. So he meets up with his cellmate who has kind of kept a little bit of food for so when uh, his his new cellmate arrives, I guess it's a nice uh, way to welcome your guy you're going to be bunking with for a while. Yeah, that's food. nice. Yeah, it's better um, than what I think of in my mind of what happens when, in prison. Yeah, what ha- yeah the the usual initiation process yeah. when you meet your uh, cellmate. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we get uh, get that, and then we find out that there's electric impulses, there's computers in the wall, there's something. Uh, this this is obviously a very high tech prison. Yeah. Uh, so they know. You know, the warden knows what you're thinking. The guards know what you're thinking as you're thinking it. So that right. could be a good reason why they are so confident that no one can escape this prison. Yeah, I mean, it, there's it's strong. Uh, there's a strong sense in this film that the power that comes from the the warden and his people comes with uh, comes from technology. So, and, and this guy's paranoid. His cellmate's paranoid. Obviously, he's been there a minute, and he kind of understands a little bit what's going on. But um, they're, they're, they, they hear another uh, member of the uh, penitentiary getting taken away. And, and it sounds like he's being taken to an island called – or it's a peninsula? I think it's a peninsula. He's, he's being taken to another place called, called Absalom. Yeah, and, and the cellmate is freaking out about it. And obviously yeah. at this point, Robbins has no idea what the hell Absalom is. And neither do we. So we're right no. there with Robbins. We're we're in his shoes at that point. Right. Um, they bust the cellmate for for hoarding that food. Uh, the punishment here is ten lashes, of which the warden delivers one. And now, just to yeah, this is like some real like Vince McMahon <laughs> puppeteer type thing, just yeah. screwing with his everybody. Uh, Robbins, you're going to deliver the other nine, or else I'll just shoot the guy. Um, but that's where, yeah, Robbins kind of gets the gun, and we see how dangerous this Mr. Robbins is, or Captain Robbins. Captain Robbins, yeah. Uh, Mr. Rogers is what I thought when you said that. Um, yeah, he gets the gun, and you instantly remember uh, him saying, don't ever turn your back on me again, because you know he holds the gun to the warden's head th- in a threatening manner, and then he just drops it. He's yeah. like, whatever, I don't give a shit. And just, of course, he just wanted to let him know he could do it. And I think that's the, the the coolest thing about it. You know, he he's a badass, but he doesn't really have to do anything. I mean, what's he going to do? Shoot him, and then he's right. not going to get then, out. Exactly. It's just so. gonna be, he's going to yeah. So because that's really all he wants. And I think the more you tell him there is no escape, the more yeah. determined he is that there will be an escape. Right. Um, and he technically gets out of this prison. Right. That's an escape. Right. He's gone. And that's the interesting thing, too, about, you know, like, so you, this movie starts and you think, well, okay, it's just going to be another prison movie. It's Fortress. Maybe, right? maybe, it's, maybe it's a futuristic prison, but it's still, they're just going to be in this dreary, dark prison yeah. the whole time. And, eh, you know, n- not that I hate those kind of movies, but mm-hmm. it's like, whatever, I've, I've seen it. But this thing takes a, a turn into a whole different world, um, literally, because 
they Robbins has taken Absalom, dropped off in dropped off in Sector Four to be exact, Ooh. which is we'll find out is the Outsiders realm. Right. Uh, but it's also inhabited by a lot of rats, Chad. Yeah, and Robbins hates rats. That's like he that's his snake. You know, Indiana Jones had right. snakes. Robbins has rats. And uh, yeah, and Indiana Jones's father hated rats. If we recall our last crusade history i don't um, remember that no i i do i remember his but dad I, was sean connery that's right and when they go down into the under the library yeah there's rats all in there and the dog he's like oh my, my father my father never would have made it past the rats that's so, right you're right i forgot about that right so we've got the rats um which yeah we find so now he's on the run he's obviously doesn't want to be yeah. laying on the ground being rat food you know, and he's just in this strange place. The sounds of the jungle are all around him. And he quickly finds out, though, he is not alone, Chad. No, and, and when you say he's on the run, like, this dude is, is on the freaking run. Like, there's people chasing him, and they're, like, savages, you know. they're they're. It's like he got dropped, you know, 400 years in the past, and he's in some weird Amazonian, you know, uh, village where guys are just chasing him with spears and shit. Uh, but, but they do capture him af- after he kind of, you know, he dukes it out a little bit, but he has no clue what he's doing at this point. Cause he's just right. like, he's literally just thrown into this world. So the outsiders take a prisoner and, uh, and put him on like a pole, you know, like in a, what is it? A return, of the, Jedi. return of the Jedi. Yeah. Return of the Jedi when they're carrying Han and them guys on the big pole. So that, that was my favorite part is when they're carrying him on a pole. And I was thinking about how inefficient that is, you know, like he wasn't injured. Like he could just, they could just like, prod him with a spear and make yeah, him walk. walk. Yeah, they were but, exerting energy that they didn't have to. Yeah, but they take him back to, to the outsider encampment, if you will, and we get our first meeting with uh, one of my favorite villains of all time, played by Stuart Wilson. Walter Merrick, a very eccentric individual yes. who, who acts as if, though, he's running a five-star hotel in yeah, the middle yes. of, of the jungle. Uh, he's in charge, and kind of the initiation for our, our good friend Robbins is he gets to go five minutes in the pool with Ralph. Yeah. Head of aquatic something. He said, <laughs> I love Merrick. Fact, yeah. Merrick is like a, he's like, he's got like a Hans Gruber vibe to him Yes, where he feels like really out of place. Like he doesn't belong there, but anywhere you put him, he's going to be in charge in three months. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. And yeah, so that five minutes in the pool with Ralph is more like five seconds. Yeah, been there, done Rob, that. Robbins is a badass once again. If, if we, if it has not been established at this point, this one, this sealed it. This yeah. put it in cement. He is a badass. And it's another Indiana Jones reference. You know, in, in the, Indiana Jones and uh, the Temple of Doom when the guy has the the swords and shit, and he just pulls his gun out and shoots him. No, that would be Raiders of the Lost Ark. It happens yeah, in of Temple of Doom as well, but he doesn't have the gun, remember? He okay. goes to do the same thing. And there's no and pistol got, there. Yeah, that's right. Even so, though technically in the timeline, it happened. Temple after, of Doom happened before happened first. That's Raiders true. of the Lost Ark. Well, so, maybe it happened three or four times in the- uh, It's the probably original, happened in his, in his life. The Kid Chronicles, whatever that show was called. Right, yeah. Um, I didn't watch that. But yeah, yeah uh, Robin's- standing there in front of massive Ralph with his huge like machete blade spear thing. And Robbins just launches a blade at him and stabs him in the heart and kills him. So yep. pretty cool scene. That is a definitive victory. If I ever heard one, it is. Um, and so Walter's impressed and offers our man Robbins a job. Um, and Robbins kind of plays along for a minute, but then grabs Walter. I mean, this guy could disarm anybody. 
he, he grabs Walter's gun and uh, throws him in the pool. So now once again, he finds himself on the run, but now he's got a cool gun. Yeah, he's got some weird like nerve looking gun that has like a rocket on the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's 2022, so it's like a futuristic shit. And you have uh, to think at that moment that that gun's going to come into play. Oh, no, that'll never happen. <laughs> it doesn't happen immediately. But yeah. it does come into play. And it's so, funny because they have they have a cool little back and forth. You know, Merrick's super charismatic and he's like really funny. And Robbins accepts the job and he just promised me you'll hire a new lifeguard. And they're all laughing. <laughs> and he kind of like takes him off his game a little bit with his humor. And uh, yeah, it gives him a chance to steal the gun. And, and he's off to the races once again. Yes, he is. And we get to see Walter just screaming his head off. I love that that scene there is just just screaming like the whole peninsula could hear this man mm-hmm. it's a again just just to really establish walter as this you know like you said wherever he's going to go he's going to be the the man in charge going to be the center of attention right and you think of these guys you know they're they're savages right they're they're prisoners they're all murderers and shit and he's in charge of them but the moment he shows weakness What's going to happen? Somebody's going to take his head off, and mm-hmm. he's going to be done for. So he, he, you know, he's got to kind of put on a brave face and go out there and kill this guy now. Right, and, and Robbins is starting to get a little worse for wear at this point. He, he ends up down a hill, injures his leg. There's a booby trap that he narrowly avoids. That's cool. Ends, scene. Up, ends up with an arrow in his leg, um, and then he finds himself pretty much nowhere to go. Uh, he's on a cliff. Um, he does not want to jump, but uh, a blow dart kind of helps him out there. Yeah, he gets a fucking dart in the neck, uh, like Will Ferrell. And, and it's like, uh, <laughs> it's a weird scene because he's on the edge of this cliff. And then he gets the dart in the neck and he goes flying off of it. And that cliff is like 6,000 feet in the air. Like yeah, this dude yeah. falls for like a good <laughs> minute. <laughs> it's like the longest stunt fall I've ever seen in my life. But it was cool. It's like a, it's like an epic fall, and and the score for this film and the music sound great, uh, and it really puts you in in kind of the element of this jungle and this, uh, you know, it, it's like a savage place. Yeah, and, and that fall when he gets out of it. Spoiler alert: We're going to get to that in a moment. But when he gets out of it, still just the leg was injured. No, yeah, no, no broken ribs or, no, or cool, anything he, else. He landed. He, I think he used to be a pro wrestler at one point. He knew he knew how to fall. He knew how to fall. Distribute yeah. the weight. even even <laughs> though he was knocked the fuck out with the blow dart. He still well, just instinct kicked in. Your body knows, man. It, it's like when you're almost passed out and you, the yeah. ref counts two, and you could still get that that shoulder up at three. Yeah, you know, I I I got really hammered, drunk one time, if you could believe it. I can. I, and I fell down two flights of stairs. Yes. Um, and when I got up, I was like, I was selling it, everything about it. I, even though I really wasn't injured, but I was selling it like crazy. Yeah, because just, just so I look cool, right? Uh, and then I kind of just started walking it off like a badass. That's you. That that's yeah. the Chad Cruz I know. Yep, thanks, badass Chad Cruz. Um, so yeah, he falls, uh, and now he is. He's picked up by Ernie Hudson. Yeah, insider territory. He's in the river, picked up by the insiders. And yeah, one of those is the head of security for this this civilization that he's about to discover, Hawkins, played by Ernie Hudson. And one of the things I thought of during this was, you know, you think Ernie Hudson, you think Ghostbusters, obviously. Mm -hmm. But then you think, 
seeing him here, I'm like, wow, you know, he really was in all kinds of like, he really had a good action resume when you think about the crow, uh, the substitute, and and this one, Congo. Oh yeah, Congo as well. Congo was a good one, and and this movie I believe was right after the crow, and you know he wanted to get away yeah. after the whole tragedy. Right. And so he did this film. I think they filmed it in Australia, maybe, or something like that. Yes, so I, I do believe that is correct. And it's really yeah. just this, this film, like it, it always amazes you if you haven't watched it in a while or if it's the first time you've seen it, just how many awesome actors, you know, all these supporting actors, you know, we, you know, we've, we've, we've met uh, with Stuart Wilson, obviously, uh, and Ray Liotta, you, you know, kind of a supporting guy for most of his career. Right. Um, and then eventually we're going to meet a couple more Lance Henderson and some other guys. But yeah, it's like every scene you're like, I recognize that guy. I recognize right. that guy. And that makes for right. a fun film. Yeah. And like you said, yeah, he wakes up um, and he looks out and he's like in this little village, uh, you know, a bustling civilization out there as a very stark contrast to just mm-hmm. the chaos that he was in when he met with uh, Merrick and his people. Um, and yeah, like I said, Hawkins is there. He's the head of security. And you mentioned him, the father, the man who's in charge of this whole thing, Lance Henriksen. I was happy to see Lance in a, in a baby face role here. I know. And he's so good at it. And he plays, I mean, every role he plays, he's just like, I want to say he's the best thing in every movie that I've seen him in, but you know, that's, that can't be true just because of, you know, the Terminator and stuff like that. But he is so amazing in every film that he's in. And yeah, he certainly he, enhances whatever he's in. He does. He's like uh, he's like the perfect enhancement talent. And uh, so, yeah, we get Lance. Um, he invites Robbins. You know, Robbins is a popular guy. He's like, hey, join us here. You can have a new life here. You know, the um, word has spread about him, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, who else has survived the Outsiders and made it? I don't think anybody. I think he was the first. So. Mm-hmm. That there, but you know, and, and again, he also kind of reiterates what the warden said. It's like, okay, you're here, but there's gunships out in the sea. Yeah, there, there's a, you know, they could, they seem to be able to track anything that happens. Um, plus, if you go the other way, you're back to the outsiders, and they're pretty pissed with you. So, yeah, again, there's no escape. Yeah, there's, you know, they've built a life for themselves outside of what, you know, the prison was horrific. Um, they get sent to this island and. Um, most of them got there before the outsiders were, were really strong and powerful and, mm-hmm. and super killy murdery. So right. they, uh, they, they built this life for themselves and they can, you know, they can all contribute or they could, uh, kind of go back into that, um, every man for himself lifestyle and, and murder each other like the, like the outsiders do. But, um, I think that they say, what is it like, uh, hundred of them or 200 of them. There's not that many. Yeah, of them. There's not that many. No. Yeah. No. Uh, and we do meet some more of them. There's King who is kind of a hypochondriac. Yeah. He's, um, he's, he's definitely a, a, an interesting character. And then there's also Casey played by Kevin Dillon, who's sporting some uh, Adam Cole, like bare arms uh, in this thing. <laughs> the, the, quite the physique. So he's, he's basically following Robbins around because like you said, the reputation of this guy is out there. And right. Casey's pretty much fanboying him uh, at this point and uh, trying to befriend him. Mm-hmm. But Robin's being a badass. He's just kind of wanting to be left alone at first. Yeah. And it's funny with these characters, um, 
you know, you kind of forget where you are at times. You forget that all these people are hardcore felons or, or they're, they're hardcore enough to have been sent to this island or to this, this, right. this place. Um, so all of them have committed crimes in their past. And you kind of forget, like you meet King and he's like this real feminine dude. And you meet Casey, he's like a young guy and he seems like real meek. Um, and then later on, we start to get more and more of the story. Even the father, you know, later on, we hear more and more of the story as to how he got there. And, you know, every uh, criminal in, or every uh, person in prison in history, every prisoner in history is innocent, right? <laughs> There's like right. one guy who's admitted he was guilty. So it's not unlike this place. Right. And uh, Dylan does eventually catch up with Robbins at a place he likes to call Wet Dreams, Chad. Mm, yeah, he does. <laughs> I've had those. That before. of course is right. Yeah, I'm sure. That, you want to talk about it? Hot. Yeah, no, that's not that's not this uh, podcast. But I'm sure there could be one out there for you. If you that's bulletproof do. after dark, right? Yeah, you better believe it. Okay, um, so, uh, yeah, not leak proof after dark. Apparently, <laughs> so so they meet there, and yeah, they're they're on the beach looking out, and again, you know, you could see the wheels turning in Robin's head, like, how the hell can I get off out of this place? Um, and those wheels turn even faster when he spots a freaking supply helicopter. Yeah. And he finds out that the uh, copter only goes to the outsiders, which is kind of bullshit, but I guess that's the way it is. Again, the warden's a manipulative bastard, so... Yes. You know, it, it's not really surprising. It's bullshit, but it's not surprising bullshit. Um... Then they end up going for a drink. Yeah, why not? Because, yeah, what else are you going to do? Um, and while they're there, the bell rings, Chad. And I think we're going to have one less person in our yeah. hundred something. Yeah. It, you know, the importance of um, every man kind of being a part of the of their little civilization that created their little society um, is, is never more apparent. And we see that the bell rings and everybody gets together and we see that uh, Ernie Hudson's character is walking this dude out like tied up. And the story is the guy was at his post. He was, he was in a little guard tower or whatever, and he fell asleep and it wasn't the first time, you know, the first time he got his warning and, and his slap on the wrist or whatever. And then the second time you're gone, dude. So it's pretty important that they, they keep vigilant with the outsiders out there because of course, the outsiders want what the insiders have. Right. And it's a good thing we don't have that type of uh, policy here at Bulletproof Action. No, it would just be you uh, writing every yeah, day. Pr- pretty much. And then eventually <laughs> I'd fall asleep just out yeah. of exhaustion. Yeah. You uh, wouldn't be able to do it. So, so yeah, we, we get that. Uh, we get to see that. But then we see the way that Walter handles some issues when, when somebody steps out of line. Uh, because, you know, after what happened with Robbins, Walter, a little bit of his mystique is away. Robbins got the better of Walter. And uh, when someone suggests, hey, maybe he maybe Robbins could be our leader. He uh, he gets his his head cut off. So, yeah, yeah. Much more violent way of dealing with. Now, of course, when they're when they're banishing a guy from the the village, he pretty much he's going to die too but uh, i guess i don't know maybe walter's less cruel because he got it over with quickly he did end it quickly but uh and he but he did it and then he like made it like now that's funny like he made a joke about it afterwards which lightened the mood for me Uh, (laughs) yeah you want a good joke after decapitation (laughs) (laughs) but i mean it's another it's another scene that showcases the fact that walter 
is on the edge because uh, he's, you know, he's been, what do you say? He's been there seven years or something at yeah. some point. He's been there seven years. He's in charge. I really want to be in charge. And uh, now, whether Robbins wants to or not, he has kind of put his uh, his command uh, into question because right. Merrick has finally kind of met his match. You know, Robbins isn't just bright and, and tough. Like he is, he's like, Robbins two, Merrick zero. You know what I mean? Like he's getting right. up on him pretty easily at this point. Right. And then another thing that I think Walter does is like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna attack the out or we're gonna attack the insiders. Yeah. So let's let's like deflect their attention. Like, okay, now this is what we gotta focus on. Let's not worry about Robbins and who's gonna be we got an attack to plan. So sounds like a government official, doesn't it? Exactly. <clears throat> Ukraine. Let's let's uh let's put somebody else on, on the uh Put something else in everybody's mind. Get it something else in the top of the news cycle. Um, so now, while that's going on, again, we get to see the very differences that are going on because the insiders are celebrating Christmas. And I love that they did not celebrate with traditional Christmas music. Instead, <laughs> they had Boogie Shoes by Casey <laughs> and the Sunshine Band, which is a phenomenal song, a classic for sure. Um so yeah, boogie shoes. I think that I think that that had to do with the fact that they don't have everything. Yes, exactly. And boogie shoes, you know, Casey and the Sunshine Band washed up on shore, so that's what they listened to. <laughs> that's what they got. Yeah, not so, a bad. Uh, not a, if something had to wash up on shore. I wouldn't be upset if it was Casey. Oh and the yeah, Sunshine it could Band. be way worse. Absolutely. So then we, uh, you know, while this is going on, Robbins is like, "Okay, I'm out of here. I am out of here. I'm packing up." going to leave at daybreak um father comes in tries to sell him on staying one more time but uh i think everybody here is saved by the bell check saved by the bell one in, indeed uh toy man would love that reference uh yeah th- this bell means uh get ready we're under attack so that's a, a slightly different bell i think it rings like a thousand times so everybody's running to the little armory that they've built and they're all getting their little wicker hats and shit like they all have like the little crossbows, yeah. the crossbows and their little cool cute vests and uh and casey runs out with a little studded hat on so uh it's a unique uh way to arm yourselves but uh yeah they they all like, kind of man the walls so it's like a very lord of the rings-esque scene oh yeah this good. is the scene where i'm like okay this is why chad cruz loves this movie i right love this here. shit <clears throat> so yeah they're up there Again, you know, Casey's like, hey, man, I want you on the wall right next to me. And Robin's like, eh. but I don't know, something something in him changes. And he's right there. And uh, he's standing there. He, he can't. Yes. I mean, it's the, it's the soldier in him, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, he's a fighter. And, and I think that he understands. He, he sees like this, uh, this innocence in Casey. Um, and I don't know if it. It probably all goes back to, you know, Robin's whole backstory and. Right. And, and kind of what got him there. And, uh, and we'll find more about that later, but yeah, he does, he does decide to go to the wall and he gets this crossbow and, uh, he stands right next to Ernie Hudson. You're like, Oh, it's going to be badass. And it is because then the next thing we see is like a flaming arrow to the mouth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was great. like, Holy shit. This is awesome. Well, it's fantastic. Whenever you can have a, a, a battle scene like this and you, you know, you've got 300 extras that, have no names. So, yeah. you know, there's going to be a tons of death and they don't, 
there's no guns, you know, they just got like bow and arrows and shit. So, mm-hmm. and, and, and sticks, sharp sticks. So yeah. All the and, ingredients. Yeah. So we got this big battle during the, the skirmish father is stabbed. So they quickly whisk him off to his quarters. Yeah. Um, but Walter is like, okay, we're going to follow. We're going to take care of him. They're right in there too. So it looks like they're going to get rid of the father once and for all. But, uh, and our boy Robbins is the game changer and once again gets yep. the better of Merrick. Yeah, he makes the save at the last moment. And uh, it's funny because I had forgotten about father's uh, little Asian buddy that protects him. Oh, yeah. Uh, I had forgotten he, about him. He's a big uh, part of that, too. He's, he, he yeah, he's a job. He's a badass, too, because he's like running around like kicking the shit out of dudes and <laughs> like jump drop kicking people and stuff. Uh, but I'd forgotten about his character, but yeah, the, it, it, it's a funny scene because they're so close and, and they know that if they take out the father, that that is a massive uh, yeah, hit on the insiders, you know? Right. They, they will, the, the rest will, will fall in line, yep. but it does not go plan again. Robbins, the father's bodyguard, they, they step up. So the next day where there's a funeral for those that uh, they did lose, which obviously is going to happen in battle. It's somewhat, you know, obviously, if nobody died, that wouldn't be very realistic, Chad. That's true. So uh, they do have a funeral, and the fire, though, that they're using for the funeral ceremony triggers this flashback with Robbins. And this is the first time we'll see it, but it's going to happen again. Yeah, he's got some some PTSD. You know, he he's seen some shit, and um, we still don't know what it is, but you can you can be certain that it's uh, it had some effect on why he he is in the predicament he's in now yeah most definitely and so then the next day though everything kind of changes again it's like they keep throwing uh throwing curveballs at us because robbins finds out there's been a secret plan all along to get everybody the hell off this peninsula yeah i think that 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 we here at bulletproof action are very similar to the insiders and we, we talked about having a plan a plan b plan c and that's kind of what they have, you know, plan A, yep. like live quiet life, plan B, get the fuck out of Dodge, uh, <laughs> right. plan C, build stealth submarine, uh, you know, so they, they, they have things in place they have things in motion. And Robbins is like, what the hell is going on here? And, and then he finds out that Dysart and, and Hawkins have been secretly uh, creating like a, like a stealth it's kind of like a raft, like it's just going to float them out of town. And and their whole thing uh, is they want to get word out on this place. You know, they don't want to just get five people to escape and live a free life. They want, they want the government or whoever to learn that like some crazy shit's going down here. Yeah. And this ship that they were hoping was undetectable does not prove to be undetectable. Not so much, yeah. And they, they even know, they have an idea, like they've got their little like uh, DIY binoculars they're looking through. And they're like, all right, you know, another 2,000 meters and he'll be past the point where the chopper is going to come and blow their shit to pieces. And of course, they get just beyond that point before chopper shows up to blow their shit to pieces. Yeah, uh, unfortunately for them, but does not discourage our boy Robbins. He's like, okay, if you're going to do another one of these boats, I want on it. Yeah. Which seem, but again, I mean, he probably figures there's a chance he will get out of there. 
there's a guarantee he's going to die on the peninsula. So right. It's probably worth it. But the father's like, no, you, you haven't earned a spot on there. You know, it's probably just the best of the best that's going to go on that to get out of there so that they could get word and then hopefully get help to get them all off the, the uh, peninsula. Right. And that makes a lot of sense too. You know, he just tries to jump to the front of the line, but, uh, but then we find out that he has something to offer more than just, you know, his, his brains and his brawn. Right. So yeah, we find out uh, the engine that die starts working on needs a distributor. And earlier when uh, Robbins was taken captive by the outsiders, he was thrown in the, basically it seemed like a storage room or something. Yeah. There was all kinds of crap. In fact, we even saw a little, you didn't think of anything of it at the time. It was right. just like, he's in a junk room and he, there was a distributor. So he's yeah, like, it was like sticking in his there. ass. He was like, ah, right. you know, and he <laughs> pulled it out of his ass almost. So, you know, that's a, that was a great bit there. And so he's like, Hey, I know where we can get one. So if I can go get it, then I've earned my keep. I can go on the boat. Right. So right. the deal is done. Um, and not surprisingly, I guess, you know, his boy Casey wants to go with him. Yeah. And but, we talked, uh, yeah, we've, we've been talking about kind of the story storytelling in this film and how, you know, we're, we're constantly being kind of turned and twisted different ways. You know, what are the insiders trying to do? What's their goal? What's, why are all these guys, what are their motivations? Why are they there? This and that. And I think all of it comes back to uh, Martin Campbell, the director, dude. I think he does a fantastic job I and mean, he's done some awesome action movies. is his very next movie is Goldeneye, uh, mm, you know, yeah. which is one of the best Bond movies ever made. And he did the Zorro films and uh, Vertical Limit I always loved. So he's done a ton of awesome films. But he uh, he knows action for sure. But I think that he he makes he builds characters that you don't – I don't need to know everything about Robbins to know that I like him. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he's very soft-spoken. He's a badass. And he he's thinking two or three steps ahead of you even though – I don't know what he's trying to do, but he knows. So it, it it's kind of makes the, the movie fun to watch. Yeah. And while that's going on, we go back to our boy, Walter, who apparently is just anybody who is possibly a threat to his power has been decapitated. The heads of state, if you will. <laughs> and now all the little factions among the outsiders are united under him um, because they're planning on making another run at the insiders. So again, a great scene there with, with when he just has that, those heads just roll right out there. The bag of heads, bag of heads, eight heads and a, uh, may have been five heads in the duffel bag. This time. I think it was eight, but he had five. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. I, yeah. So, um, even though, you know, Robin's tried to tell Kate, like, you're not ready for that. You're going to have to kill. If you go out where we're going, you're going to have to kill. And so he kind of, he thought he got, Casey out of this, but right. Casey's stubborn and he's going to follow Robbins into Stupid. outsider territory, but ends up, I mean, kind of almost in a martyr role. Like he almost knew that Robbins was going to need some help. Yeah. And right. I think, I think the way that he was captured, it actually, if Robbins had been smart about it, <laughs> he would have just escaped out the back. Yeah. And that would have been that, but you know, at this point, he's kind of he. You know, Robbins infiltrates the camp. He gets the the part that he wants. He gets the distributor, distributor, distributor. Jesus, and uh, he notices that Casey is uh, like slowly being tortured to death. 
Yeah. So which, which causes which is a great distraction. I mean, slow death torture. Everybody's got their eyes glued to that. It does. It is. And if he had left, it would have been smart. But he doesn't leave. Right. No, he does not. Um, he, he decides to use one of the Molotov cocktails that was he was given uh, as a gift from Dysart um, and goes to rescue him. But then they both end up captured. And now we're going to get that five minutes in the pool, goddammit, one way or the other. <laughs> Merrick is going to get his C. Robbins in a five-minute pool yeah, match yeah. if it kills him. Um, and here's really, I mean, if, if up until this point you didn't think Casey was willing to, to die for the cause, he yeah. certainly proves it here in this this thing where, you know, obviously Robbins does not want to kill him. Right. Robbins doesn't want to kill him, and Casey's like, you got to kill me. Like I've, I have no chance. Like we all know I'm useless. Uh, and he, he, you know, he jumps on the proverbial grenade, but instead of a grenade, it's a, that's a giant knife. Yeah. And it's all over for Casey. Yeah. He's dead. Fuck him. Whoa. Okay. So he's very, uh, you know, I I was thinking about Kevin Dillon too. the blob remake. Love that one. Or, you know, or Johnny drama, of course. That, uh, man, I honestly don't know if I've ever seen it. Yeah. I, I like, don't what think did, I have. What did I, again, I, my brain went to, what did I most recently see him in? I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah, I watched the Blob remake over during the, the Halloween season. Right. Uh, it and it's, popped up somewhere, and I was like, ah, oh, I haven't seen this in years. And it's funny when you watch a movie like this from the early 90s, and it has all these guys in it that you haven't seen forever. or if, Like, you know, Ian McNeese, we were talking about him, and plays King. And I have, I had just watched, uh, I'd watched the new Dune film, right. and then I was like, I'm going to go back and watch the the mini series, right? Yeah, and he was in the uh, not the original film, but the the mini series, the, gotcha. the television series. Okay, and he played like you know the big bad Harkonnen dude. So, which he is not in this film. No, so. <laughs> no, very different character in this film. Yes. Um. So now Robbins, even though he did what Walter wanted him to do, it's time. He's in a head cutting off kind of mood and uh, <laughs> he sends Robbins to get decapitated, but in classic bad guy fashion, isn't there, isn't present for it. Yeah. Which ends up costing him because an unlikely ally basically was Walter's like right hand man. He yeah. was the guy in the, who went to go kill the father with him. Mm-hmm. Um, and he got set he on kinda, fire. Yeah. He got set on fire. So his face is a little bit uh, not the way it was before. Uh, the fire, as one might imagine, and uh, ends up stepping up and helping out Robbins just in the nick of time. So, it, now- which is also cool because we had heard about a spy in their camp already, right? Um, you know how how did you, how did you know this happened? Like, oh, we were tipped off by our spy. Like, oh, cool. And you, right. that's like a one-off line that you would think would just go away. Like, okay, but yeah, we actually get to meet the spy. Cool, kind of, yeah, like. Um- you know, that was kind of like, that reminds you of Star Wars. Like, oh, our our spies have told us here's the plans for the Death yes. Star. And at the time, you know, we had no idea. It was many, many years later, decades, in fact, yeah. that we found out who those spies were and how they did, in fact, get the Death Star plans. So, what a great movie that was, too. Oh, absolutely. I loved One it. One of the best. Ah, so good. Give that guy more shit to do, because these this new stuff. Oh, my God. Not, not, no. Yeah, I know you're not a fan. Um, yeah, I'm not a fan of the new trilogy and dog no, shit. No, no. I like the Mandalorian. That was sweet. All right. Well, there you go. Some positivity from Chad Cruz. Yeah. Why not? So <laughs> Robbins does get the distributor back to Dysart. 
Um, you know, and he's like, we got to get, this thing's got to get put together and fast because these gangs are united now and they're coming. Uh, and father's like, yep, I'm on board. But Hawkins is like, no, we've, we spent all this time building this up and all that. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, you, you, and Robbins is basically, we don't stand a freaking chance with the numbers. That right. They have. Yeah. And I think they said it's like a six to one, Yeah, uh, you know, outsiders now that they're all, uh, united against them. And he's yeah. probably right. As much as I, I like Hawkins and his stance, okay, we built we built this place, and like I want to defend it to the death. Like, dude, you got to know when to cut, cut and run. Right. And, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, because even if the outsiders lost half their men, yeah. to kill all the other, you know, they still have another half of thing to, to keep. And up. look how close they were the last time they attacked. Right. And uh, and now they have more numbers. So it, and and. It's it's already like a scary subject for the guys, the insiders. But now we find out about the father. He has Hodgkins. He's dying, and right. so that that probably came into play as far as like his decision to to kind of go with Robbins in this one. Yeah, and one of the not, not that Hodgkins could be cured even if they had great medical yeah. facilities and whatnot. But we've already established there's not really any kind of medical i mean whatever natural remedies they could find to cure things drink some water walk it off right you're not gonna walk off hodgkins so um he's basically got maybe a month left he wants robbins to be the new leader um of course robbins uh, i'm no uh, i'm not gonna do that but but we don't (laughs) have to worry about (laughs) we don't have to worry about that uh the engine works and again he sees that fire come out the the uh, exhaust and those flashbacks kick in again, Chad. And this is when he yeah. kind of finally has to come clean to somebody. So he goes back to the father and he tells him exactly what happened. Yeah. Yeah. He's, uh, he's kind of like, uh, unloading on him. You know, I think he's kind of been this strong silent type for so long. And, and he's been holding all this, this angst and this anguish from the tragedy that happened to him. He was, you know, he was a captain in the Marines and, uh, he was a part of this attack on a village um, that they thought that they were, you know, blowing, he, it was wartime. He thought he was blowing up this, this village ended up being a village full of women and children. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it caused, I don't know how many, 300 people or something like that died. Um, so he essentially was the cause of it because he was, he was a part of it and he fucking blew the brains out of his commanding officer. And then he tried to tell them what happened and they, uh, they swept under the rug. Classic. Classic, Classic military bullshit. Yep. Got to keep that industrial complex going, baby. So, and again, this movie is so great about this, the, the ups and the downs and the twists and the turns, because you're, you're processing what you've just heard, what, what, what put Robbins here, which you kind of knew he was a good guy. Yeah. Even though he was in prison, you, you kind of knew whatever he was in there for, he was doing the right thing at some point. Um, but before you, while you're processing that, now we've got the big attack is happening. Um, but they, they've got their plan and the village is completely empty when Merrick and his boys show up. Yeah. And then that gun finally comes into play, Chad. It does. And it's funny too, because they, you know, they break through the gate and it's, a, it's an all out just, there's no like strategy involved. It's just like, okay, we have a shitload of guys. Let's just run fast right. at them. Right. And they've got a they battery. Have the numbers ram. advantage. Again, they yeah. have the numbers advantage. So, 
so that they in it's daytime, so they don't even have like the cover of night. They just charge into the into the town or whatever, into the village, and they're standing in the middle of the village, realizing that no one is there, looking around, seeing some uh, some wild turkeys and some pigs and shit, and they all just start laughing. Uh, I don't know if that laughter is like this awkward, where the hell are the laughter, or if it's like we took the village, look at us, success. But it comes to a sudden halt when uh, when Robbins pops up on the the tallest tower in the village, holding the uh, little rocket launcher gun that he stole earlier in the film. And I believe they mentioned that they were building moats and putting fuel in it. Did they not? Wasn't that part of what they were for the preparation? That's what they were. Yeah, that's what Hawkins wanted to do. And I think that the uh, the the booze guy was going to yeah he pour was going to provide in provide the booze yeah provide the, provide the uh, flammable liquid that was going to be yeah. needed because yeah when he shoots that rocket that village it goes up goes, goes up like oh, wow and like and it was good it was a big enough explosion that you would believe okay everybody's done yeah but walter survived and you know what i what i like about that so okay you see the explosion you're like holy shit that village just exploded <laughs> they all dead but then you see some of the survivors running away from the village. And I think they were sort of prepared for that because you, now we see uh, Hawkins and his troops. They're running yeah, off. They knew, they knew there might be some stragglers. So, yeah. Yeah, they, so they're they chasing there them off into the, into the, the yeah, into the tree line. So the fact that Walter survived isn't as far fetched maybe is, you know, when you see the explosion, you're like, Oh my God, everybody dead. Right. Uh, so yeah. I, I think that's the thing too. At this point, if that's what was his end, it would have been spectacular enough to be yes. his demise, and you wouldn't True. be pissed off. Like, ah, oh, they, they killed off the main bad guy like that. Like, mm-hmm. you wouldn't be pissed off. But the thing that he survives is like, aha, good one movie, good one. Yeah, but it also gives us another thing too because we've seen throughout the film that the the, the true power that comes from the uh, the warden back at the penitentiary was mm-hmm. uh, the use of technology. And that was also the thing that kept the people on this little peninsula on Absalom. And, uh, and every time that there's an attack or whatever, they always ask about thermal, you know, is there enough thermal for people to see this? Because this is, you know, this is some secret shit here. Like people can't know that this stuff is going on. This is like his little pet project to get them off at night, you know? So when this explosion happens, oh yeah, the sensors go off and, and, uh, the little dude who's watching the tiny little screen is like, oh boy, we're in trouble. So yeah, the so warden they, essentially like immediately since starts sending in choppers. Yeah, we we got to clean up this mess before anybody sees it. And while that's going on, we now get what we want: Walter yes. versus Robbins in a scaffold match. <laughs> WCW baby. And uh, you know we've got the father who's in a perfect spot to sacrifice himself because he's about to die anyway any yep. any, any day now. So you know he gets to have that last heroic moment. Um, and, uh, that's then now we've really get the demise of Walter. Oh yeah. And he, uh, oh my God, he goes down like a champ. You know what I mean? It's like a Steven Seagal style death. Um, he, every moment, you know, he, he goes out like a champ in a way, like he's not a little bitch. Walter, he got to power because he was tough. Cause he was smart. Cause you know, he wasn't just a guy who let everybody else fight for him. So he's got he's got Robbins on his back, like on his heels, uh, until father steps in, sacrifices himself, and then 
And then Robin sends him off the top of the scaffold and there's no padding. There's no uh, cardboard boxes no. below him. No, no, sorry, Jericho. <laughs> there are uh, only giant spikes, sharpened spikes. Yes. Yeah. I did, and I, you know, it kind of remind me of some of that Shaolin stuff where they have, uh, yes, they fight on the, the, the wood and there's the, yeah, bamboo under It so, was yeah, like the king of the kickboxers, you know, and they've got oh, all the spikes under there. I love the king of the kickboxers. That's as good. We've mentioned. Uh, check it out in the archives, folks. Do um, it, so, yeah. So now it's, Robins is or Walter's done. Father's done. All right, everybody, we're going to rebuild tomorrow. But just again, it, the movie takes you up. Mm-hmm. But now those choppers came in and blew the shit out of the boat. Yeah, that was going to get them out of there. Um, and that's where he's like, "How the hell did they even know about it?" We find out that not only did the insiders have a spy working, you know, in the outsider camp, but the warden had a spy in the insider camp and it was none other than that. No good bastard King. Ian McNeese, you son of a bitch. But Robbins quickly is like, okay, son of a bitch, you're, you're going to do some good because you're going to tell the warden to meet us at this place. Yeah. And, uh, this is perfect. Uh, the warden is like, oh, okay, yeah, the, my, my informant is saying we, we got to go there. Mm-hmm. So the warden's there, and now the tables have turned, Chad Cruz. How the tables have turned. Robbins gets the helicopter. Oh, and yes. King and warden are now just left for the outsiders. And uh, presumably, and another thing we did skip over is uh, Hawkins. Robbins tells Hawkins, oh, no, the, the plan was father wanted you to be in charge. Yeah, I love that scene. He's like, uh, oh, yeah, he, uh, he's like, oh, you talked to the father before he before he died. What did he say? Uh, he totally said you, you're supposed to be in charge and he wants yeah. me to leave. He wants me to go get help <laughs> and tell the world what's going on over here. So which is good. He did. He did want that, you know, so he's yeah. not lying, but he's not telling the whole truth. Right. And, and uh, yeah, you want a leader to come in and with right. that confidence and that, that boost because th- those people are going to need it because who knows how long it's going to take right. before, you know, they can get, get the help that they're going to need. So but it's also good because, you know, King tells the warden, okay, uh, the, the place that you were going to land, don't land there because the outsiders are retreating through that space land here. And by here, I mean the place that we're planning on you stopping that way we can, you know, plan up some shit to take you down. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's not, it's not as ridiculous when, you know, a bunch of armed men jump off a helicopter and they get taken out. Right. So very well done. Um, and very glad I watched this movie. Great suggestion, Chad Cruz. Thank you. And and, you know, the film, the way it ends with, with the two, these two fat bastards standing there in the middle of the field (laughs) and you get like the whooping in the background, like you could just hear the savages and you're like, Oh, Oh, they're going to eat good on these boys. Yeah, it's kind of like uh, which was the book Bronson was a uh, Kinjate, where the child molester guy gets taken to prison. He gets and, his, and, and yeah, at the end in Bronson, and everybody's just like, "Ha ha, you're about to." It's it's d- disturbing and yet yes. richly rewarding at the same time. So yeah, no escape. Excellent choice. If you've never seen it, or as if it's just been a long time, find it, check it out. This is one of those highly recommended film by this podcast. And this was one of those ones that uh, it somehow, um, 
you know, I caught it early, you know, if, whether it was 94 or whatever, 94, 95, whatever it was, I caught it early and it became like a staple at my household. Uh, and I have an older brother and we both kind of like just attached ourselves to this film along with a, a couple of uh, many other films that we've talked about in the podcast before and, and some that are coming up here in the next couple of episodes I know. But this one, uh, it, it feels like almost like, you know, Jeff Speakman, we talked about him earlier. He has the perfect weapon. That's his film. And it, it really kind of like when I think of Jeff Speakman, I just think of the perfect weapon. Well, when I think of Ray Liotta, I think of Goodfellas and I think of this movie. Yeah. So it's just like this sweet memory that I have. All right. Well, this hopefully this listening to this podcast will be a sweet memory for some of our <laughs> listeners out I there. I doubt it. Well, we'll see. So, uh, but you know what, Chad? We're in February. Believe it or not, we are already one month in, one month behind us in 2022. We're in February, and we've got some stuff coming up to bulletproofaction.com in February including paying tribute. It's going to be the 35th anniversary of Over the Top. Dude, I love that movie too. I caught like the last 20 minutes of it the other day. Just anytime I do, I just, I'm glued, glued I, to the screen. I, and you know, what's funny is I, I, I listen to the soundtrack more than I watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, because it's that good. And, and I love the film and it's another classic. It's another one that I can, you know, you can show your kids and stuff. Um, but it's just, uh, 35 years. It, 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 it actually kind of feels like it's been out longer than that, <laughs> Yeah. but because I've been watching it for so long, but, uh, yeah, I, I love that flick and I can't wait to see what we, what we have in store. I'm going to, yeah, we're going to be doing that. We've got coverage of the new Liam Neeson movie, black Light. Have you seen the commercials or the trailer for that? It looks good. Does it? That's surprising. No, I haven't seen it. Looks good. A little, uh, in the air tonight, Phil Collins plays during that. Uh, that never hurts. That's the new thing is to take an old song. Uh, usually they put like some other band playing it, fucking Tool or somebody. <laughs> and they, they play a, an old song really slowly and they put it to your sound or to your uh, to your trailer. Your trailer, yeah. yeah. No, th this was, this was the, the legit real deal. Okay. Um, and, good. and of course, RTG. It wouldn't be a month in Bulletproof Action. <laughs> If RTG wasn't reviewing a Bruce Willis movie. Oh, my God. With this one called Gasoline Alley. Hmm. And I'm sure it is going to be a humdinger. <laughs> I'm sure of it. I think we should we should take uh, all these movies he's done in the last few years and just kind of like uh, play a random snippet, like a random scene to RTG and see if you can guess <laughs> which movie it was from. That would be that'd be excellent. That'd be That'd a fun be one. That could be for the YouTube page. Uh, there you go. There you Content, go. And one, one last thing I wanted to bring up. This is another trailer I saw that I was like, wow, I am all about this movie. The follow-up to Wu Assassins, Fistful of Vengeance. Okay. Did you see the trailer for that one? I have kept myself from watching it because I've never actually finished Wu Assassins. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Because I can't uh, ever finish anything, Brain. I, I know. I, you know, I probably wouldn't have, but we had this thing called a pandemic. Oh. <laughs> and, and that really helped me out because I didn't watch it right away. It was during that right. kind of where well, it's I, like there really was nothing to do. And it's like, oh, you know what? Chad seemed to think this was pretty good. Or, it was sweet. And I, you know, I pandemic, pandemic. I have kids. I know you uh, and you had uh, a job that was not pandemic friendly. I'm out there doing it, baby. I ain't got right. time for that. I understand. But for me, I had the, the time and, and I took advantage of it. So. Well, I'm glad that you do. So, uh, 
there it is. Fistful of Vengeance, that one coming up to Netflix. And next time on the podcast, I know, you know, last time we said we were going to do something. This one, I'm going to guarantee. If it's just me talking about it on my own, I'm going to damn it. We're going to be talking about 1993's Only the Strong in celebration of Mark Tacoscos' birthday, which is coming up later this month. So that will be our very next podcast. And that is a movie I know you love and I, I absolutely love. And uh, I cannot wait to uh, gush over it. It's going to be a good it's one. You. I mean, it's going to be one of those extremely biased episodes, but right. uh, but still fun because, you know, we love it. Anyone who listens to that podcast specifically probably loves that film. So a lot of love. A lot of love to go around for Only the Strong. And a lot of love to go around to you, our listeners. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Bulletproof Podcast. Chad, any final words that you have for, for anybody? Nope. I didn't, I didn't think so. So again, thank you for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.